doing your own due diligence and making sure you hit every point of due diligence, sticking to your budgets. Like you could spend as much money as you want on a single family renovation or a hotel. Like you can spend as much money as you want, but you have to stick to your budget, period. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, want to know how I gained $817,000 in equity in 19 months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an 18-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny 13-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from $2.25 to $5.5 million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study and promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation. So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. Well, what's going on, SCR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Bonnie. What is up, E? My brother, so good to see you. I'm so happy to be home. Like, I've been on the road since, since Nashville. And one, my, my mental health was quickly just kind of spiraling mm. without my routines and my workouts and, and just, and holy shit, like, you, I didn't, like I knew, but it was such a good reminder of like just my healthy habits and like why it's something yeah. that like we don't have to do is something that we get to do to then be better, like be healthier. Yeah, I do. It got to the point that like I came home and I was just like, what the fuck? Like I'm like, just I had no no sense of direction. I was just feeling all over the place. So it's just good to be home, close to my espresso machine, so I can have espressos whenever I want. You know, like my gym, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's everything like it's yeah. super, like, it's something that I resisted for the longest time. But every time I let myself kind of like go back into that, like the routine and that like, kind of like the discipline of it all, you know, it's something, it's something super, maybe counterintuitive in a sense, because you're like, I don't want to just live a disciplined life, but then you also live a better life. Dude, I struggle on the road. Honestly, that the two weeks that I was gone in March completely threw me off the workout plan and it's the nutrition hard. plan. And now I'm struggling to get back into that groove again. And mm -hmm. I've been sick the last week too, all <clears throat> stuff going on in my head and throat and whatever. And it's mm -hmm. just like, I feel like I lost a month of productivity on like the fitness end. And it, it sucks, yeah. but it is what it is. Dude, yeah. And like the, the waking up, like once you fall off the wake up early bandwagon, mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, yeah. like all I'm asking is to get up at six. Like we used to get up at like fucking four. Like you six used to get up at four, like super. Yeah, I mean, like, this thing, like, like six. Five. Six is a compromise, and my buddy is like, "What do you say? Seven thirty? I'm like, "No, but it's like, let's get, let's get up, let's do shit." And I'm like, "Oh my god, this bed feels so good." So it's just like it's so funny. You know, what I mean, it's that constant thing of like embracing what what is difficult because that makes things easier. Yeah, right. Overall, but yeah, 
that's my little that's my little spiel of like what's what's I've been up to. It's just grateful to be home, my San Pellegrino. You know, like it's just you know it's hard, but like I'm a creature of habit, and like I'm like my my mind kind of tries off of it. So what about you guys? Dude, I had a I had a moment of just like massive gratitude the other day. Like I was literally like tearing up just thinking about like like how much my life has changed in the last five six years is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a guy that I used to work with. I used to run the New England side of the operations. He ran all the New York side. He called me up out of the blue. I hadn't talked to him in like three years. Great dude. Just amazing guy. Super funny. We always had a great relationship. And um, we were just like reminiscing about stuff and then just catching up. And, um, you know, it's just funny. Like he's still doing fine, but like still in the same place. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. three years ago where I'm like, dude, I'm not even in the same stratosphere as I was mm-hmm. three years ago, you know, since mm-hmm. we last spoke. So it's just, yeah, it's interesting how we get caught in these it's like a comfortability loop or Napoleon Hill talks about is like, you know, that hypnotic rhythm of like, you're just, you're in that groundhog day over and over and over again. And, um, it's just interesting, you know? Yeah. You know what I heard that it's funny the other day, if you don't make a conscious effort, 90, 85 to 90% of your thoughts are going to be the same day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah. when you think of that, you're like, holy shit. Cause like you can feel it, right? Like when you let yourself, you go through the same, through the same cycles over and over. And that's why it's so important for you to like be the architect of your own life. You know, if, if you change a couple of those thoughts and you just kind of like do that little half a centimeter kind of switch, you know, yeah. your perspective is, is a whole world of difference. But then the thing is like, it needs to be, it's like a shower. You need to do it every day and you need to continue to do it every day. Or sooner or later, you're like, my mind feels off. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's where I was at. I'm like, dude, my what kind of thought is that, right? And yeah. just having the awareness of like, I'm not eating well, I'm not sleeping well, I'm out of my routines. I shouldn't take myself too seriously now because this is not me also. Random thought on that. And then I'm, I'm excited for today's episode because we got some friends of ours yeah. on. But like, oh my God. People ask me like, what do you spend your time on? Like, what do you actually do? And like, honestly, man, a lot of my time is just thinking, right? And people mm-hmm. like, what does that even mean, right? And it's just honestly <laughs> just spending a lot of time like, thinking about more again conscious thoughts about like where do i want to go where do i want mm-hmm. to take the business and then how do i make sure everybody on the team is in alignment with where we're going and they have super clarity and mm-hmm. they have the power to execute on the things that we need to do as, as a team as a unit to get there but um mm-hmm. the more i become in tune with my thoughts the more i realize that like they say it in a lot of readings too like thinking is the hardest work in the world because it takes mm-hmm. conscious effort to like really pay attention to what you're thinking about and then change it because it's going to be uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's where the, where like the real work is to change mm-hmm. your life. Like you got to change mm-hmm. your thoughts, which changes your self-image, which changes your actions, which changes your results. And it's just this chain reaction. So. I mean, it's constant. That's the other, the other part of it, right? Like there was a thing of like, you know, like I was talking to my therapist the other day and I'm like, some days I go in there and I'm like, this is a shit show of a session for like a therapy session. Like I am not doing well. It's just like, that's what therapy is for. I'm like, no, I know. But there's some days I come in here. I'm like, I'm not doing so bad. And then some days I'm like, holy shit, I should pay you extra. But it's that is the thing about it being like, I, you're, you are so tired of like this constant effort. By the same time, the moment you don't, the way you've always been kind of like slowly creeps back in. And so it's like either the pain of who you've always been or the pain of consistently working on who you want to become. But it's still mm-hmm. like, hey, no matter where you're going to go, there's going to be some level of share or shape or shadow of, of some kind of pain. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to my therapist for taking me on a, on a rough day because that was a shit show. 
talking a thousand world a minute, going through 1800 conversations of being like, and then this, and then this, and she's like, holy shit. She just was writing a lot, which is never a good sign, you know? But I wonder, I always want to see like, are they actually writing stuff down or is it just like a doodle? Just, yeah. just to make you feel better. It's yeah, just a big cat drawing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm very excited for our guest today. Today we've got Kyle and Ali Forgot on the show. And um, I'm going to read their bio and then I want to bring them up and let them talk about their story because I'm so freaking proud of them and everything that they've done over the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Like they're absolutely crushing it. So after 17 years of being together, middle school sweethearts, Kyle and Ali decided to embark on an exciting journey into real estate in 2019. With Kyle's background as an electrical engineer for a large European firm and Ali's experience as a high school science teacher, the couple originally pursued long-term rental investments before taking their business venture in a new direction with STRs in 2021. Fast forward 16 months later, both have retired from their respective careers to pursue investing full-time. Now Kyle and Ali co-host over 15 properties, own a boutique hotel, own a construction holding company and run a capital raising company for large STR investment properties. This power duo has certainly made strides with each passing year yet continues making remarkable achievements along the way. And I can personally attest to that. E and I can both personally attest to that because we've watched them go through this whole journey and they've crushed it. So welcome to the show guys. Big so happy to be here. Too. Thank you. Thank you. Wish to be here as well. Also, yeah. also not in the, in the intro there responsible to getting me home safe at least one of the nights <laughs> I, <don't have> <laughs> so, I think you have one like me, percent they fed me Taco Bell they fed me Taco Bell at a time that I hadn't eaten Taco Bell in like 11 years but it was the most glorious I would compare it to like a Michelin star experience but yeah, we're just I went, no less than yeah. yeah I'm gonna just clarify I'm willing to bet Ali got you home safe I yeah, probably fed into the state that really? she fell into <laughs> I'm just, I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall. He just, so I yeah. He'll believe whatever we tell him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, I want to, I want to hear your kind of origin story. So you guys are doing pretty good in the long-term rental stuff. You know, you got into that. You're doing fine. What made you, what was the epiphany that you had to get into short-term rentals? And then how'd you get your first unit and just kind of walk us through where you guys are at now over the last 16, 18 months? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take that question because it was kind of me driving that horse. So he was all on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We got into the long-term rentals and I was like kind of super frustrated when we were looking at how much money we were making. <laughs> oh yeah. We haven't, <laughs> we, haven't we play upstairs. it with our kids because it is, it is really good and there's like great takeaways that you can take from it. However, looking at only making, you know, if you make $400 a month off a long-term rental, you're doing pretty good. But I was like, no, like we can't, we can't grow rich off this like super fast. And I am tired of teaching. <laughs> I want to get, I want to be done. So I fell across y'all's podcast and I listened to it and I started binging it. And I called him because we were in the middle of renovating another long-term rental. And because we were just total burr method at that point for everything. And I was like, hey, so I have this idea. I just listened to this podcast. I want you to listen to it. And we are sitting on a gold mine. We just haven't tapped into it yet. And so he gave me a little bit of extra money off of the home and let me furnish it. And in a very small college town, we were pulling in uh, about 1200 
plus dollars a month. When we look back at it, we were grossing about twenty five to twenty seven hundred a month, and and bringing in you know profit about twelve hundred dollars a month, and which is phenomenal. I mean, that's three times the amount we were bringing in off of a regular long term rental. So from that point is where we grew, and that's actually when. After listening to y'all's podcast, I binged every episode up to that point. And I was like, we are going to set up a call and we're joining this group. So flashback till now, so here we are. It was a little bit more like, this is what I really want to do. And I was like, I haven't seen that like fire in the eye about real estate with her. I was like, let's just freaking do it. Yeah. I, she was like, we're going to say yes and figure it out later. So we, I just booked a call and I was like, with who? I'm sorry. What are we doing? Yeah. So, and then it would just kind of rolled from there and. It just was like, let's at least try it. And so we were going to, we tried it with the very first one. And that's when we joined the group at that time. And it was like, holy crap, this works. Yeah. And then from then it just exploded. So we just rode the wave. And if it wasn't for her to be so like pushing on that part, like, this is what I want to do. Cause she wanted to quit her job because she wanted to stay home with the second kid. That was the biggest push I would yeah. say to start that. <laughs> like we were flipping as well. So I was like, I'll do whatever I have to do for you to stay home. If I need to pick up another side job or whatever, you want to stay home, we'll make it work. And then we kind of stumbled across the STRs and it worked very, very well. Yeah. So. And and just uh, for all you people out there saying that it's not possible, I was seven months pregnant when we started. And when we got through with this, my son, like with the whole process, um, my son was like three months old going into this. And, you know, from that point, I mean, we did it. We did it with me pregnant. We did it with a newborn. My daughter was four years old. So it's totally doable on a parent schedule. And then we just took it and ran with it. And here we are. Yep. So love it. Love it. So you you guys bought the first one. And then did you continue buying or at what point did you switch to co-hosting to to scale it up? So after we joined your mastermind and got our systems in place, at that point, I was like, okay, again, after listening to another podcast, I was like, okay, we could be getting into this with zero dollars. And so he and I kind of talked about it and I was like, this is how we can scale like pretty fast. And uh, we just need to get our name out there and get the word out there. So it just became like telling everybody what we were doing. Our biggest thing was at that point we started co-hosting. We made our credibility path. We started putting it out there and our actual first lead and our first co-host still came out of bigger pockets. And so he was very active in bigger pockets and then just kind of really just searched for short-term rental posts and was just commenting on everything and telling everybody what we were doing and how we could add value to them. And we got several calls off of that. And that's how we landed our first co-host deal. And then from there, took us about, I'd say about what, six I would six say, months. I would say the idea at first was like, okay, we'll just buy them all. Like that's pretty much everybody at the beginning was like, we'll just own all of them. And so we got the first one and then we were like, okay, how much, like we can refinance out, we do a cash out refinance and then we'll take that money and we'll buy another one. And I was like, okay, well, this has to season. You have to wait six months for you to cash out refund. I was like, this is going to take forever. So we said, well, in between, what if we tried co-hosting? And so that's when our actual first, before the bigger pockets, like actual general, like generic co-host deal was an old friend of ours. She was a realtor. And we were like, hey, like we know what we're doing because we're doing it well with this. Like, let us help you because she was struggling really, really bad. And she had a renovated school bus that we that we hosted and we took I remember it that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah it was really sweet and we took it from like no bookings like it's probably less than 10 percent occupied um, one booking every two months yeah and so we we took it and by the time that it, 
we almost a year we were at 90 percent occupied by the time yeah you uh, we it was, finished it was a bus i think it was gross like 3500 dollars almost so, like a little bitty school bus it was sick. yeah and so but we no longer have that she wanted to do it on her own after a year yeah but our real first like co-host lead with somebody we didn't know took us about six to eight months to get and it came off bigger pockets and uh mm-hmm. from that point we just became the short-term rental people yeah. in our bigger pockets community that we were a part of and that's just kind of where it flew from there yeah. one led to two two led to four four led to eight and then it just Everybody knew somebody, and then we hooked up with a good realtor, and then we pretty much co-hosted all of them except because we sold that first one. Since then, in COVID, we sold it and we syndicated a cabin, and so we own the cabin and we own the hotel. The right. hotel, and we don't own another one. We co-host yeah, all the others. We co-host all the others, so we now have fifteen co-hosted properties in me on the boutique hotel. Yeah, and some more coming on after the hotel. How many units the hotel? So it's 40. It will be 35 when we're done because we're making common spaces. So 35 rentable rooms. So it'll be like 55 or 60 units total after the hotel launches. About mm-hmm. that time, we should have everybody yeah. else on. We've got some owners going through some renovations and closings and stuff like that. But they've already signed contracts that so we're ready to go. Yeah, so, so. We, have, we have seven more co-host deals coming on right now. Yeah. So where do you guys spend your time on right now? So we kind of split the company now and i do all operations so i'm a very systems driven person and that's what i do is i kind of send the info out to the team i work on sops and because of course we're still in that growing phase so we're still trying to nail down the best way to do operations especially moving into the hotel and i manage our team and then so i'm really not in the field anymore at this point we have a in-house assistant that basically goes and is me now and then kyle so i just do like i'll do new sales so like landing new leads talking to people helping mm-hmm. run numbers so pretty much from the beginning all the way up until they're ready to like start seeing the contract the whole nine yards I'm, then i'm like okay now i will give you back to Allie or give you to Allie. Allie will send you all this stuff she'll send you your inventory list everything you need to buy and we'll meet like we'll do a couple of meetings in person and then I'm pretty much out of it at that point until like the end of the month. So all the performers, anything that needs to be like fixed maintenance wise, me and a couple of guys, you know, we'll, we manage that. And then most of my time right now is at the hotel through renovations. So we're like the GC for the whole property. So I'm have my, like we have a renovation company. So we got five or six guys that work for me. And so we're always out there. So three days a week, currently I'm at the hotel just running renovations. And then just recently, we are coaches with Mike. So our other time is spent now working with his team. That's awesome. So was you that was it always? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's already, that's, that's a pretty good start. So was it always pretty clear between you guys what the role was going to be? Was there some slight, slight growing pains at the beginning as to like who does what? I mean, it was perfect as beginning. Like, no, I'm just kidding. It was a mess. I think we we just kind of naturally fell. I am not mathematically driven. I was a science teacher, and the, the joke is if you do science, you don't do math, at least not high level. And so he is, he is electrical engineer background, so he is all numbers driven. So it just naturally fell that like he would handle all of the numbers. And again, just from my background, I'm very good with systems and instructions and so that's where i fell and i knew i could do really good at and plus i mean it was much easier for him to have a conversation without a 
three month old than it was for me. Yeah. I mean, like when we started, it was like, who could get to the phone first to answer the message, right? Like who could message the guest? Who could do this? Like, okay, well, did you do this? I don't know. I guess I could do it because you're coming. Like you might fall short on one end. So like at the very beginning, it was like a struggle trying to figure out like who was better at what or who Mm -hmm. felt like they could do it better. And so like running numbers at the beginning, like that was already me, period. Having conversations with anybody about anything about real estate and all that stuff was already me. When it came down to like, hey, we're going to hire a VA. We're going to do this. We're going to set this system up. I was like, I have a lot to go on on as well, like renovation side. So Allie was like, well, then I'm, I'm better at this than you are. So I'm going to take this over. Right. I was like, okay, perfect. Like, it's perfect. And then we just kind of slowly fell into like where everybody would fall into. At the very beginning, it was... It was rough. I mean, driving down the road, like, hey, can you answer this message? And I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? Well, I think like, just what's like, the best way to say this, you know, like, I think just like anybody that's just getting into this with your first property, like, you just want to be super responsive, right? It's just like immediate, you want to mm-hmm. just jump on it immediately and get to it. And so I think it would like kind of come into a common ground of like, okay, like, it doesn't have to be immediate. We need to take time to like think through this and like, who's, who's going to be doing this from now on because it needs to be very, one person right and uh that's where i stepped in and was like you just stop let me do this because i am better at it than you are yeah yeah i was just gonna say i want you to ask this question but i was just gonna comment that like hindsight's 2020 like now that i see you guys in your lanes i'm like it makes complete sense what you guys are both doing and it's like a great alignment for the roles and responsibilities yeah. but like you said at the beginning that might always i know even with me and kristen and the rest of the team it was like I was pretty much doing everything for a while. And then when she had more bandwidth to help with the team, it was like a little rough at first. It was like, this is kind of like my baby. And like, it, it was just, mm-hmm. it was just weird until we found our lane of responsibility. And then it was like, I trust you over here. Like if you need my input, fine. But like, you got the final say, I don't even need to look at it. Like you're good. And I'll run point on this thing over here. And then things just get so much smoother when you get to that point. Yeah, I I think that was what was hard for me because I, coming from a classroom where I'm in control of everything that happens, that's how I was about the business. Like, this is my baby. I'm in control. I set everything and all the parameters. And then, like, trying to ask him to do things or, like, when we got the VA and I'm, like, trying to give control away, like, because I want to because I don't want to be doing it. But then it's like, oh, okay. So I'm, like, I struggled in the beginning about jumping in for that reason because, like, I didn't. I didn't want to give it away. I knew I needed to give it away, but I had a little bit of When you work so closely together too, like you'll occasionally kind of overstep your own lane anyways. And it's like, not like you overstep, but they start asking you, like Allie will ask me about design every once in a while. And I'm like, why are you asking me? Because I don't know. Like I'll give my opinion. And she's like, no. Like the, why did you ask me? Like, you know, I'm not going to tell you. She just needed to, to, to say no to somebody, you know, like sometimes (laughs) you just need to ask opinion to just know that it's not the right, like, you know? Yeah. She's like, which one? I'm like the one on the left. And she's like, no. I'm like, why did you ask me? Yeah. It's like, like, yeah. Like when you're getting dressed, you're like, this or this. And like, this is like, no, no. Don't, thank you for helping me make my decision. Yeah. 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 I don't know. She's like, oh, I should have never asked you. I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I guess for the first six months was just you guys, right? And then after those first six months, when you started getting the co-hosting leads, was the next hire the personal assistant that is on the ground or was the next hire a a VA part-time, full-time? What was, what did that look like? Saying this hurts, E, but um, I waited way too long and I admit that to everybody. 
Well, he waited until we were, and not for lack of trying, especially for the assistant on the ground. We went through like three people before we found the one that I have now. That's my in-house personal assistant mm-hmm. in our field. But no, we had 10 co-host deals before I got any help. But it was more of the the struggle. Like, and everybody has their different, you know, struggles that they're going through. For us, our big goal was getting him out of his job. And it was like, we just had to keep pushing, 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 nose to the grindstone, as many deals as we could to get him out of his job because I had already left mine. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So at 10, I finally was like, we need someone. So we hired a VA through Mike and Mark's program. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank God for Louie. Everybody needs a Louie. And uh, you can't her name out. so no, shout out to Louie because she's what makes everything work. <laughs> so we got Louie. And then after Louie, we got our in-house assistant, Brittany. Then we hired at, we were at 12 units. I don't. 12 yeah, or 13. I mean, it was, we went through such a crazy growth stage. So like we would have, and one reason I say would play into like Another reason that took so long is let's say like you're in this weird growth, you know, you only have like technically like four or five, six units, but then we have five contracts signed. You've got them like kind of peppering in and when they're launching, you've got all this stuff going on, but you're not making any money yet because you don't get paid. You're not getting paid until say a month later. We're like, well, we technically like, and I'm looking at numbers. I'm like, we can't afford, you know, hiring a VA and doing this. Like we need to do this literally as long as we possibly can mm-hmm. until the money starts coming in to afford the help. And so it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, when we were flipping houses, like I was working seven days a week and I was like, I can't afford to pay all these big crews to come in here. Like we need to learn this stuff and I can teach other guys as we go. And, but at some point it was like, we didn't focus on hiring a VA. Like we had the conversation. I was like, okay, I think one thing that plays into this is like, we can't afford one. And because you got to keep that business separate, like instead of coming out of personal finances or whatever, we need to let that, business build to sustain it and then the conversation went away and we're struggling like Mm -hmm. meeting with clients like three or four clients a weekend you know trying to get it all figured out driving from work up there to meet somebody like it was crazy but yeah so like i think at like 13 is when we got our second va and so now we're at 15 our third va starts on the 17th and the past two and a half three weeks has been our first 24-hour coverage so the biggest um, push for VA three is for the hotel. Yeah. So they can come on a little early. They can learn and onboard completely. And yeah. then they can start building the stuff systems. with the hotel. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And you may need, yeah. you might need one more. One, one. Like, he doesn't yeah. know. He doesn't know. One for, one for the phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Eventually. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. The phones, the phones are going to be different. Yeah. Yes. Cause he knows this and I know this, like I know I looked at the numbers in preparation for Nashville and for some of these keynotes I've given around the hotels, each of our hotels has anywhere from 500 to 800 inbound phone calls per month per hotel because people are just used, they go to Google and they search hotels in whatever, and then they click call and they pick up the phone and they call, right? So you get a ton mm-hmm. of phone calls. We don't really get that on the STR side. And that was one of the big slaps in the face that I got when I got into it was like, wow, I did not expect this many phone calls when we yeah. got into this. And, and plus, that's what Mike I'm, I'm as already. An, as an introvert, he's like, why do people want to call? Mike is like, I don't understand this shit. Nobody wants to talk. There is, there, is, there is emails, there is text messages. Mike is like, why are people calling me? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. But people are like, you know, especially if you're in our market or your market, like in the South, especially, I feel like people just love to talk on the phone. Oh, They're like, 
What's yeah. y'all doing over there? Like, what's what's this new thing? Like, half the wedding. I know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know this thing. What should I pack? This? I'm like, bro. I don't fucking know what you should you should pack. Like, like, what do what do you want from me? Like, you know? Yeah. I'm bringing everything in hangers. I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know. Somebody somewhere changed uh, like an old owner on their website somewhere. I can't find it. Put my phone number down. And so like yesterday I'm at the hotel and I'm, I get a phone call from some crazy number. And I'm like, hello, this is Kyle. And she's like, y'all going to be open in two months. And I'm like, you're talking about the hotel, right? We run, we run a lot of different properties. Like I imagine yeah. you're talking about the hotel. And she's like, yeah, yeah. you're going to be open. I'm like, yeah. Where is my freaking number? Because I can't find it. I've searched for it. I don't know twenty times. Yeah, why do you have my number? Yeah. Yes. How did you get it? But yeah, that yeah. that's my whole. He doesn't know it yet, but that's already in the works. So fourth BA has already already been sourced. Conversations oh have already been had. Uh, so. <laughs> Ali's got my style. We just do it, and then we just drop a bomb, and then apologize yeah. and go get dinner. Yeah, and yeah. Just later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get that part. Ask for forgiveness. I shouldn't have to apologize for making our business run a lot smoother because it's taken yes. more off of me. So. Yeah. No, but that's that's all fair, and I and I love I love the dynamic, and I love something that Kyle said. This is like I wanted the business to sustain itself by itself. And so there's always that catch 22 there of like, I always have a feeling that if you have the capability to invest in your business and you are ready to burn the boat, that is the best investment of your money. Because then if you can create the runway that you need to build a business, that's why all these big companies like do seed rounds, right? Because like seed rounds gives you the oxygen that you need to fucking light shit up. Also, there is the reality of like, if your goal is to get out of a job and to retire two people. That is not a possibility, right? So it's just like, how do you balance those two things? And the clients had, so the contracts had, and the money coming in, that is one of those like kind of variables that is very hard to tell. Because sometimes you like, I signed five clients and then you're like, I signed them six months ago. We still haven't launched because the city, the thing, da, 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 da. So if you start hiring on just the first green flag, so you have to almost create a way of like, when does a client actually start making us money? There's also like, we charge a setup fee, but the setup fee, when you look at it in the great scheme of things, ain't no money and doesn't go anywhere. And you burn through it the first couple of weeks. Then you're like, well, now what? Right? Mm -hmm. So it's understanding that balance. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned from taking down this hotel that could be useful for the, the people? Hotel. Yeah. Uh, you don't know I think, what you I don't think know. That's just, Yeah. But I think a lot of people are like, due to like the overall where the market is at and just all the work that Mike has been doing. Are listening to this and be like, awesome. I want to get there. I don't want to fucking co-host things anymore. If I do co-host it just for the economy scale of what co-hosting can do for you, I want the hotel. So mm -hmm. how did you find it? What did you learn about it? I would say for the hotel, because I'm I'm right now tell about how we found it first. Oh, how we found yes. it. Great realtor, first of all. Mm -hmm. Like when we started, I we hooked up with a good realtor. That relationship kind of went down the drain after a couple of years. But I was, I've always been a sole believer. Like if you're going to build in real estate, you need to have somebody looking out for you. That's looking for deals. That's constantly seeing deals. Like I'm big on that off market stuff. That's great or whatever, but you're limited to what you produce mm -hmm. with relationships or whatever. So that's how we found it. It was, it was just over the line in Tennessee, like five minutes over the line. I just passed our market. So it's only 15 minutes from downtown Blue Ridge and we're in Blue Ridge. And so 15, 20 minutes. 
it came on the market. Nobody was really seeing it, especially in Georgia. She reached out to a couple of brokers just over the line. And he was like, yeah, I've got one for sale, actually. That's how we found it. We started running the numbers, realized it was it's a freaking slamming deal. Like, And I want to interject too, like our realtor, we also co-host her cabin. So like she has, like we have credibility through her. Then when we started talking to her about like our vision of what we wanted for a boutique hotel, that was what we put the feelers out there for. And then she was able to put the feelers out there for, for us. Yeah. So like talking about what you want and telling people what you want, and then they start talking because like, it's about what they can get out of it too, right? Like people aren't just going to be like, oh, I'll do this for free. Like, but if she closes a million dollar hotel, then, or somebody that's looking for you, they're going to get paid for it, like regardless. So mm -hmm. that is incentive for them to look for you. Yeah, but we bought, we got it, and we got it for how much? Yeah. Do you want to know all the details yeah. on it? Because I maybe I'm whatever, so whatever you guys are comfortable sharing. To me, it's more of a I'm like share. I'm an, I'm open that the 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 understanding of what's possible and how it works, and then the reality of like what the fuck does it take it. once you have like yeah, once okay. you have it? Because again, like is is the same thing. It's easy to buy a house. Yeah. And then you go in there and you're like, oh, I've watched a lot of HGTV shows, and then you're like, I'm gonna do my first flip. And then you start doing shit. You're yeah. like, mm. you're like, oh my god, we're, this is not. Yes. Yeah. First of all, so that, we're not Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah, we're not. We're not yeah. Chip and Joanna Gaines. First of all, we never have been. There is not. I don't know, we had some roles at one point. That was kind of like I built it. She said what she wanted. We would build it and she but, would design it, and that was it. And so it it's involved. not all sunshine and rainbows. So when we got the deal, it is a slamming deal, but. We really thought we were going to be able to go in and kind of flip this just as fast as we flipped houses. We were in and out of houses six to eight weeks if we could. And um, we kind of thought we were going to be able to do this at the hotel. And man, were we surprised. So if you're, if you're getting into this, know that take a single family house and like times 10, times 35. Because, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think there was just a lot more that went into it than we were expecting in the beginning. But it is exciting and it's a little scary, but for those of you out there, like trying, like this may be the next step, do your due diligence. Like, because one of the things we found was like that coming from the commercial side, we come through a lot of deals, but it was a lot of things that you don't know until you're there and you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you don't know until you talk to people there and you don't know until you're in it and you're digging up pipes and you're busting out walls and everything and so so make sure you make sure you have those conversations and and do all that due diligence but what would you say so i would i was just going to kind of go through what he was talking about so like when we bought it when we like figured out what we wanted in the market that we wanted it it was for sale and we i come from like a multifamily side too like learning how to syndicate and raise money so mm -hmm. it was for sale for a million and we bought it for a million and we started the raise and so getting out there building your your kind of your face or whatever like we don't have millions of dollars sitting in an account somewhere so like we're gonna have to raise equity partners right so going through the syndication style especially because we we syndicated the cabin last year and then we raised money on two other flip houses recently since then and then rolling into this and syndicating in the hotel so coming up with a budget underwriting to make sure it works so like we took a calculator from a multifamily like for an apartment syndication, I took it and I just changed it to form what I needed it to form to run the numbers for like the occupancy and the daily rate and all that stuff and figured out, okay, like, are you going to charge a cleaning fee? Are you not? Are you going to build the cleaning fee into the nightly rate? What is a realistic occupancy for a hotel here? What kind of amenities do you need to add? 
form an all-year budget. And we've all sat in a call together about, is your budget too low? And I think at the time it was. I don't know if you remember that, but at the time it was. So we upped the budget. Oh, I told you that immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Was it it 600,000? Was it something? No, it was 200. It was like 350 or something. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was something stupid. Yeah. (laughs) So we we upped it and went to 800 for the 35 rooms. And we do a lot of work internally. So there's some things that we can really save on. Yeah. Yeah. So, but being more realistic with like, what are you really going to do here versus just paint flooring and, and a toilet, you know, or whatever? Because like if you're getting into this, like a boutique hotel and a hotel are completely different. It's about creating an experience with a boutique hotel. And so that's a big difference. And you, and you have to make sure you budget for that too. Yeah. But like budgeting right for furnishings, for instance, like you want the nice, the nice vanities. And there's something we go back and forth with. It's like I budgeted just to put shaker cabinets in for vanity. And she's like, no. This vanity costs $1,400 a piece. And I'm like, where the hell is that vanity coming from? Because my, my flat packs that come in, we can get this for 300 bucks. She's like, no, no, this isn't going to work. So going back through all that and saying, okay, what's the budget for the full thing realistically with your contingency, all that stuff. And coming up with a syndication, you know, like the model, how much equity are you going to give away? All that stuff. Kind of taking it from that and going and saying, okay, like we're going to start here. We're going to start here. Having that game plan before you ever just say, hey, I'm just going to buy a hotel. Like, you, if you're going to raise money, which most people do, or bring an equity partner of some sort, like, you got to know what your exit strategy is going to be. How long are you going to hold this thing? Like, if you buy it for 10% under market and it's already done and you're going to raise money, like, there's no exit there. Like, push your numbers, but that's really all you can do because it's already turnkey. So I see some people kind of rolling into that. And I think in some of the groups, we've had conversations with people that wanted to buy something turnkey, like on the beach or whatever. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to syndicate it, but there's no exit there. So you're like, okay, we're in a 15-year hold and nobody's going to get the money back. So we're running into that, like, you want to kill the deal before you ever raise money or sign a contract. And if you can't kill the deal, then you obviously have a great deal. So I would say going from that, but since we've closed on it, um, and we kind of take the approach of, like, we don't take no as an answer. So, like, do whatever you have to do to get a deal closed or to get something to happen. You just keep going and going and going and going and don't, don't stop. Since we closed it, because like we had a hiccup when we closed it, for instance. So like we were raising money and we had some investors saying like, hey, I've got money. Like I'm committed, but my money is not coming out of this other short-term deal until this time where I'm not going to be able to wire until Q2 or whatever. And I'm like, well, shit, this is a really bad time to be raising money. And January 6th, we have a close date. Like this is really bad around Christmas. That's like some of the hardest time to raise money. So uh, reaching out to a big investor, really, really good friend of mine. I was like, Hey, I need, I need $300,000 bridge loan. Like she is an equity partner, but I was like, I need a bridge loan. Can you do it? She's like, gotcha. Like three month loan or whatever we did. We closed it. And it was down to the, like down to the nail, but we closed it. We got it done. So then we, all those equity partners start wiring money, pay everything back, fill that equity position completely. And then we started renovation raise. So and as that money comes in, there's, you know, stuff on the back end where like, you can't just go out and spend $300,000 on furnishings if you don't have the money. yet. So like, as the renovation raise goes up, then you can pull in and we've got some cash that we're putting in the deal too. So we can kind of expedite some stuff, but just learning what you, you know, you don't know what you don't know, like Ali said. And so like coming into it in the washroom facilities or the gym that you want to add, like what all does it cost? What ways can you do it? What about your laundry rooms? Like that stuff that not a lot of people can answer 
Like those are questions that nobody's really done and we're just all learning as we go. So that's the thing probably specific too. Yeah. Which is the yeah. And thing. you just have like, to that's the same thing that Mike is going through right now. It's just like everything is like some of the big kind of boxes fit. But then especially when you start adding common spaces, common areas, they're gonna be sub property specific. And then once you start opening up shit, you're like mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. technically yeah, I need to dig out a- this entire trench. To do it right and yeah. fix it right because there was never yeah, done yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. that that is a whole that's a whole nother topic so like okay we're out there right so we manage a lot of the renovations our guys are doing a lot of stuff and you know it's all like well three years ago this happened and two years ago this happened and so you start believing everything you hear from the people that know the property whatever and we were led to believe there was no pressure pressure regulating valve on the whole hotel that there was 175 psi at the main and all this stuff and so we dug it out and we're like, okay, we're about to fix this. We get down there and there is a brand new PRV valve sitting in the ground. And I'm like, okay. But in checking that, we broke it at the main valve and then we flooded the whole street and everything. So like all this stuff is like learning as you go kind of thing. But we not, we have the knowledge, we have the material and the equipment to fix it. So we did. But those are the, you don't know what you don't know until you get in there. So Doing your own due diligence and making sure you hit every point of due diligence, sticking to your budgets. Like you could spend as much money as you want on a single family renovation or a hotel. Like you can spend as much money as you want, but you have to stick to your budget, period. Like there's no question. If you're over budget somewhere else, you need to figure out how to cut money. And be an avatar specific. Like make sure you know who you're serving and you're going to meet the needs of those people that you're supposed to be serving. I hope that answers your question. It does. And I think it gets a lot of... Yeah, and it gives a lot of perspective on a very actionable kind of level to the people. They're like, again, like there is the reality behind behind the glamour. And this is what, yeah. what that looks like, right? It's just like everything feels very glamorous when you're not when you're not seeing it. And there's a lot of people doing hotels. And the thing is this is the same thing that happened a couple of years ago with apartment syndications. On some of those people, only time will tell. Only time will tell how well you were underwriting it, only time will tell how well you're running it. And then if you haven't been doing it properly, the shit show that comes afterwards, it's very, very spectacular. Right. Yeah, but then at the same yeah, time, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like now, now it's it's one of those moments that we keep telling you guys in the boardroom, but in general to everybody, this is not the time where you go and hunt for deals that don't make sense. This is the time mm-hmm. that you really aggressively underwrite things and you gotta you gotta know your bounds and you just gotta offer to that bound. And then you gotta be okay yeah. with letting shit walk. Because if it doesn't yeah line up now that landscaping over the next couple of years is going to be very difficult and then that one deal decides that goes badly can ruin yeah. a lot of years of very very hard work especially if you didn't do it right you didn't syndicate it right you didn't have the right attorneys writing the right agreements so everything needs to be done to the most level that you can yeah, yeah. i would agree because like i would like on both ends of that like a lot of the co-hosting properties we have were owners that mm-hmm. bought during covid and they weren't educated properly. They didn't have somebody to run numbers for them. So they got bad deals. And then they're coming to us saying, like, because we weren't managing at the time, managing their property for them. Then they're coming to us because we were recommending. They're like, save me, help me. What do I do? And then, you know, same thing with the hotel. Like, don't just go and get something just because you absolutely want a hotel and you want to do it right now. Like, Sometimes it's just worth the wait because we went through multiple deals that just got shot down, turned away before we got this one. So uh, just wait, like it will come. And like, if you, sometimes you just have to like leave shit alone for shit to come to you. And then 
like the right deal comes to you, right? Well, it's I'll, I'll mm-hmm. do just quickly about like the syndication stuff. So we went through probably I don't know a handful of months, probably probably a good four to six months of like about the same time that we launched the first our first STR is we were like okay we're gonna put a war chest of money from flips like we want to put like a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and we wanted to go buy an apartment complex. That was like what I personally wanted to do on the side of like building short-term rentals. So we were looking, we probably had like between know, 14, 16, 18 LOIs sent out. Lost deals by like a hundred grand, lost them by cash, whatever. Like we were stupid low on some price because our underwriting was really strict trying to get in that, like in that buy box. But with COVID and the lower interest rates and all stuff, like people were just dumping money. So we lost a ton of deals that were bad deals. Like I wouldn't buy it at what they wanted, right? So after a while, I was like, man, this sucks. Like, how long is it going to take to get a deal like this? But on the other side, we're building this STR company and like the income based off that. And so I had this like shiny object syndrome on the other side of the fence of like, oh my God, I can syndicate this, this apartment and make $95,000 off the syndication and all that stuff. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We can't even get that deal because everybody's overpaying across the board and nobody will even entertain our stuff. But we have this gold mine that we're building on the side. So why am I focused across the fence at this other shiny object syndrome and build what the hell we know what we're doing like now and mm-hmm. build it to something that can't be broken and just focus here. And that's when mm-hmm. Allie was like, why don't you just syndicate a short-term rental? Like, you know how to raise money and syndicate. Why don't you just bring them together? So that's what we did. And I was like, well, this works. This is a lot more of my cup of tea here. So I would say like focusing on what you can focus on and like the apartment syndication and stuff. Like I've seen a lot of people get a lot of trouble already, mm-hmm. like selling mm-hmm. equity shares out to another LP. They bought all the equity shares on thinking it was a great deal and stuff's not meeting. It's, it's not making any money whatsoever. It's burning cash. So I've seen people get in trouble and there's a lot more to come. And it's just because people wanted to buy whatever they could buy. So that's, we're running a little long, so I want to wrap it up, but just case in point as well, that's, that's why it's so important. And this isn't a plug for us or anybody, but it's like, you want to have mentors and peers around you that are, that have executed on the things that you're trying to do so that they can help you avoid. Yes, mm-hmm. they can help you make more money, but honestly, it's also just as important, if not more important to help you avoid losing money, especially mm-hmm. if you're raising money. Rule number one, yeah. oh, you out on your shit ever. Ever, ever lose money on for somebody ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if you do, you're done. Especially if this is what you do. Especially if this is what you do for a living, right? Like if this yeah, is no. who you say you're gonna be for a living, like this is you're gonna be an operator, a boutique hotel owner, an investor. Don't fucking lose people's money. Yeah, because right. then that, that's one way to just not not do it. So proud of you guys. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. And like I, I have a million other questions, but we don't have any time. But yeah, again, super proud of, of the hustle and just who you guys are as as actual people, because that's also something else that like I've come to really enjoy about you guys, not just your hustle part, but just the goodness of who you guys are as people. So you, thank you. You know how I feel about you guys, but just to reiterate it. You know? We love you all too. <laughs> we love you. So the, the last, qu- well, before we get into the last question, I want you guys to plug like where can folks learn more about you guys? I know you got a meetup coming up next month in uh, Atlanta. So like, Let's, let's get all the plugs out there where people can find you and, and check in with all the cool stuff you guys got going on. Yeah. So for myself, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram uh, for my personal page of she hosts Blue Ridge. So she underscore hosts Blue Ridge. And I also run a woman's uh, real estate investing and wealth building Facebook page called She Invests. 
and also our Cherokee Rose Homes on Facebook and Instagram for our business accounts and our properties that we run. Yep. And then you can find me at Facebook and Instagram as well. I need to get better about my Instagram, but more on Facebook, trying to move over, is the STR syndicator uh, on both. And then I also have a small group, a public group that's um, STRs and boutique hotels, raising money and underwriting. So, or syndications and raising money. So just look that up and you can join that. And then, yes, our meetup is in Atlanta. Uh, We're going to start doing it once a month, May 6th. This month. And it's called the strategic investor. Yep. Yep. So it's us two and another uh, another real good friend you're putting it on. So come. Well, no, sign up. Don't just show up. You have to sign up. Uh, you guys you can come. You guys can find <laughs> on our Facebook page the link to sign up if yeah. you want to come if you're in the Atlanta area. It'll be May 6th. And we're super excited about it. Shout out to Brian Hatcher for helping us put that on. Yep. So uh, and we'll get the links down in the show notes. Yeah. 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 100%. 100%. So the last question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? You go first. Um, so mine is always stay a student. Uh, we never would have got where we are without continually learning and everything is ever changing. So if you don't constantly stay a student, there's no way for you to stay ahead of the game. So. Love that. I would say to like find your tribe, like get in the rooms, get in the groups, find the right people that you want to build with and just add value as much as you can always be learning like what she said but it, just keep adding value period no matter what it is like if you don't know something that's fine but you can be the boots on the ground somewhere and just join and just learn so if you can do that then i mean that'll teach you more than any school will teach you love it mm-hmm. love it well kyle and ally super proud of you guys super pumped to have you guys on the team now as coaches as well and uh yes. thank you for coming on the show yes, yes. thank you guys yes. for having us All right. Take care, everybody. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.